is film like milk. Yes. It's got culture in it. And it's. Mm, damn it. Leche. <laughs> Whole milk, skim milk, medium milk. I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk Could me? Could you milk me? Hi, welcome back to Age Like Milk, the podcast where we talk about film that has possibly gone bad in the mind fridge of your mind over time. I am one of your hosts, Paris Herbert Taylor, and with me is my BFF and the boldest man in West Hollywood, David William Rogers. Hello to you. Hello, what's happening? Bald man in the building. What's going on? <laughs> Baldy in the building. That's our second podcast. Check it out. That's yeah. uh, where David exclusively speaks to men with no hair. Good times. <laughs> David, I am very tired. I just got back from Ireland. It's good to see you. Good to see you. It's I'm glad you're home. Glad to be home. Not planned to be away as long as I was. For those that don't know me personally, I went to Ireland for 10 days with my partner and then got COVID and then had an unexpected additional 10 days because we had to <laughs> isolate and then you can't get on a plane until you start testing negative slash 10 days passes when you are, you know, cleared to fly by a doctor. Um, and my testing negative and my clearing to fly sort of happened at the same time. So whatever, I'm home now. It makes me never want to leave the country ever again. She's back. She's back. And things are, you know, with on the COVID front getting better. So, so much that's better. Positive. It's, it's, it's positive. I was positive. You know, it's all <laughs> happening. But yes, I think we just got caught in the sort of last couple of hurdles because I feel like as I was sitting in isolation, I started seeing, you know, all these things like Co uh, Coachella is not going to have any COVID restrictions. Australia's opened up its borders. So LA's <laughs> lifted their mask mandate. They have. Okay. I, yeah. For indoors. Oh, wow. Yeah. I am. Mm -hmm. I think I'm on the back foot. Like, you know, I'm just trying to figure out where every, or, you know, it's been a long two years. Let's say that, hasn't it? It's been a... You know, you, you got it. Now you can't get it. You're vaxxed up. <laughs> yeah, I was... You're, yeah. Mm -hmm. You're good to go. Not to get all... Hopefully there's no more strains that come through. Not to get all political, but yes, my partner and I were triple vaxxed and we had almost no symptoms, which is why it was such a surprise to catch it. Um, I am personally a big fan of vaccines, you know, your body, your choice. I think everybody should get vaccinated. Me personally, just having been through it. Um, but yeah. And it's interesting in Ireland, the vaccination rate is 96%. So people are feeling pretty confident over there, which is cool. Um, it was also great to get out of the country and, and see the world. I think we've all been missing travel, right? And I learned a lot about Irish history. I learned about the troubles and about the um, internal conflict, which leads me to discuss today's wonderful movie. For some, with, for some black history. Well, and, you know, Black History Month is actually only recently celebrated in Ireland. I just learned that, that um, they have recently started observing. But Interesting. it's, um, yes, it's Black History Month. And David, what is... Yeah, I, I'm just curious because like, I don't know, I'd have to look into it, but it's not like, do African countries have Black History Month or is it just like a US thing? You know what I mean? Do all European countries celebrate it? Does England, does 
Well, I looked up, uh, I, I looked up what is Black History Month because I'm I was gonna ask you, but I can, mm-hmm. you know, it's not on it's not on people of color to unburden and teach people of my race or my whiteness what it is. So I can <laughs> do my own fucking research and not put the labor on you. But yes, yeah, so Black History Month, for anyone in the world listening to this that has never heard of this, um, Black History Month is an annual observance of in the United States where it is also known as African American History Month, and it has received official recognition from governments in the United States and Canada and more recently has been observed in Ireland and the United Kingdom. So I would say, David, based off that brief Googling, that it's more of a US Canada thing. I don't mm-hmm. I don't know if they need to celebrate Black History Month in Africa because I don't think so. All, yeah. It's just they just call it history, <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. But I am curious if you know why it's celebrated in February. Is there a significance to the month? Uh, cuz it's the it's the shortest month and all the white founders are like, "Let's get this over with quickly." <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> they really they really went for the one that's like 28 days. It's like yeah. isn't there's certainly got to be a joke in there about how like people of color are paid less than white people and like how you know so got the shortest month for history but i mean realistically it's i i like it i like the fact that it's celebrated but at the same point it's like still just u.s history yeah so it's it's we should look at these black stories in this black culture every month of the year absolutely right? and celebrate it not just in february yeah i mean and then this you know this film that you chose is kind of a fantastic reminder that like wherever there is american history there are also people of color and mm-hmm. so with that in mind what is the film we are doing david william yeah, the film is glory <laughs> 1989, directed by Edward Zwick, and writers Kevin Jari did the screenplay, and then this is based off a couple books, Lincoln Kristen and Peter Bouchard, so um, shout out to them. Hello. And yeah, I'm really interested in having this conversation with you, because you grew up in a couple different places outside of the U.S., Mm -hmm. Um, so your outside perspective, Well, I'm really intrigued uh, by. Yeah, as soon as I... Okay, so backstory on our podcast, every, you know, week we watch a couple of films, and I am always trying to rope Scott into watching them with me because I don't want to have to like go into a different room. Basically, I just want the big TV in our living room. And a lot of times he's like, I'm not doing your homework with you. Or like, you know, he's just not interested in watching. He's not like us, David. Like you and me, I feel like the weirder the film, the better, like the more obscure or like whatever. I'll (laughs) I'll watch things from like musicals to I know I'm I'm getting into my horror. You know, I'm a bit scared um, of it. But like on the plane coming over, I watched nine to five Dolly Parton you know um what's her name lily tomlin and fucking jane fonda you know like and i just literally saw it and i was like whatever i'll watch it i think you know people some people have a specific genre they like for me and you it's like i love watching everything but of course i haven't seen everything and there's a lot of gaps in my film knowledge so when you mentioned that we were going to do this film and scott and i were stuck in isolation in dublin he was like oh what movie do you need to watch this week and i was like oh it's glory and he was like oh fuck yeah i'm in which is great because <laughs> you're in one room you know with your partner yeah. uh and I watched it. I First of all, he was like, oh, it's a long movie. So that was my first initial thought on it. And the second thing was, I was it, I texted you like in the middle of the night or whatever, what time it was your time. I'm like, I have no like knowledge of the Civil War, really. The Civil War, yeah, yeah. I think because being an Australian, 
like I've heard of the civil war, obviously the North and the South. And like, it's a little bit hard to live in America and not, you know, you go through like a small town and there's like some statue and you're like, what is this? Or like, you know, some battle was fought here. And you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> but I think in the whole, and, and like looking into it as well, like it was only a war that lasted like four or five years. Right. Yeah, it was about four years. So obviously a very important war because it was about, you know, slavery and ending that and crazy to me that people even debated it, but you know, it was it, did you look into it at all? I, start, um, I, st- yeah, I started re- researching it. I was more I was really interested to see what states were like for it. And to be honest mm-hmm. with you, I wasn't surprised. Yeah, but like and I also watched this documentary on, um, it's like a four part series on Apple Plus. Mm-hmm. This is really good. And they actually talk about the 54th, which is the battalion, um, the regiment, mm-hmm. yeah, in glory. And basically, it was hard. Like, basically, this documentary is like, what abraham lincoln was doing was he actually an abolitionist did he want to free the slaves right away or did he do this because you know they wanted to win the war and he thought it was the right thing to do at that time or was that his plan all along it's like how are we remembering him Mm. so it's just interesting with all of that and then with the civil war because it basically started because the some of these southern states wanted states rights mm-hmm. and the main factor of that was yes they wanted to keep slavery going because it's a cheap labor force and it was making them a lot of money exactly. yeah and um Abraham Lincoln if all the history stuff i read is correct he was like a lawyer you know Springfield Illinois and the Republican party came about and he became successful in that because as states were um, become like moving more and more west, right? Territories were becoming states. They wanted to have it where slavery would no longer be in any new state. Like it would, you couldn't do slavery in any of these new so states. So if you started west. a new slate, it, it wasn't like you got to. Yeah, it was like new yeah. rules, basically. Exactly. Right. Like we're not doing slavery anymore in any of these new states, and that's how one of the reasons he became elected in as the Republican Party. Um, for that. And when he first started, he was speaking to the Southern states saying, you know, we're not touching slavery in the South. Like if you already have it, um, you know, slavery is staying where it is. We're just not doing it in any new territories or states. And then, so that's why these historians um, on this documentary, white and black are saying like, was he more radical? And he knew he had to say these things to take these steps mm. to to move the conversation that way mm-hmm. and then to, you know, do the Emancipation Proclamation. So it's super interesting with the history behind yeah. the Civil War and everything that came about it um, with states' rights and then slavery and, um, you know, people in the North, when they were getting drafted for the Civil War, they were killing black people in the streets in northern states, in New York, you know, burning schools and hanging people because they didn't want to get drafted to go down south Jesus. to fight. Yeah, yeah. So it's just is so much tension and uh, like well, a tumultuous time. And it's and it's interesting. Um, well, let's jump into the film in a second because I want to talk on that because yeah. there are some. Do you want to do the synopsis? Yeah. Okay, so I'll do it. So this is the story of uh, the fifty fourth Battalion. I think it's called a regiment. Otherwise, someone with yeah, a military out of Massachusetts. Yeah, and it's basically the first 
black battalion and it's led by this guy robert shaw right that's his name mm-hmm. he, he was a real a he's real a real guy yeah so and this yeah. is kind of based off his letters and it's essentially a two and a half hour movie starring some incredible heavy hitter actors uh morgan freeman denzel washington like just i was texting you the whole time i'm like who is it in this movie <laughs> it's the guy from the princess bride matthew broderick like the guy who plays the captain in brooklyn 99 like just yeah, so yeah. many actors that you're like hey oh my god it's that guy oh my god it's this guy <laughs> um and basically yeah it's this black battalion regiment that um is trained up under this guy robert shaw and it was like the first of its kind and this movie is kind of influential because it really recognizes um the contributions of african-american soldiers at this time and you know it wasn't just like i mean obviously like this war was so much about them and their freedoms and it's sort of the story of people taking their power and stepping into, you know, being a part of the the revolution essentially. Um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting as well, but yes, let's, let's jump into it. So you, mm. you were speaking about, um, you know, how in the Northern States there were people, yeah, doing awful, terrible things to people, lynchings and, and killing people in the streets. And then you kind of see in this movie, there's this 54th battalion. And then there's this other battalion of, um, people who are not trained up at all. These like in this, when they go down south, these recently. Yeah. And so it, so there were other like people, essentially the black people in this, battalion were being trained up but they weren't being put in the fight right they were being used for manual yeah, labor so there and shaw's character right uh matthew broderick was like no i'm training these people he was even fighting with his lieutenant yeah. right um we're we're training these people up to fight and that's what we're going to do when they go down south and these are mostly a lot of them are free men right um his buddy the guy uh what is his name that plays the captain in brooklyn 99 um, he was actually, his dad was free and mm-hmm. he was free and yeah. he was the first volunteer. Right. So the 54th was mostly made up of volunteers. All, yeah. One of which was Frederick Douglass's son, um, who fought in the 54th. Right. They don't reference him at all in the movie, but just doing some research. Um, the guy, that's the, the guy, the actor you're talking about is it's, um, Andre Brauer. I think that's how you say it. Like, yeah. And he's Corporal yep. Thomas Searles. And he was kind of, yeah, like the friend of the family that gets like volunteer. Yeah. Yeah. He was working for his dad. He's like a lawyer um, guy, very intelligent. Yeah. Colonel Shaw was a prominent family. They knew the governor. Right. So, um, so yeah, it's, uh, then they go down south and they're fighting, uh, or they're getting ready to hopefully fight. And they find this other battalion of southern you know african-american soldiers and they're saying yeah they were in the field uh union came down beat beat some of the rebel units and then they became soldiers and so what what was interesting was they're underneath the guy that's like much less progressive and smart and intelligent than matthew broderick's character robert shaw and they go to this town and he basically is having them loot this town and there's like two women a white woman and her slave or maybe maid or whatever and this guy's like attacking them and like beats the shit out of them and they're screaming and then he goes great now the the other guy the other leader is like great well now we have to burn the village and matthew broderick's well he shoots he sh- the the soldiers like getting in a fight yeah. the, the maid tries to the grab fr- yeah grab grab him because he's stealing stuff yep. or looting 
And then he like hits her. Then the white woman comes over. They get in a scuffle, hits her. And then, yeah, he shoots, he shoots he, he hits, his own soldier because he, hit he hits the white, the white woman. woman. Yeah. And, and s- then he says he blames it on the white woman, though, yeah. that he had to kill his own black soldier. But then it just goes to show like why the racism was still prevalent because, you know, you have these. He, essentially like he's pulling the strings to have these black soldiers like steal from these people and do all these things. And then of course, resentment's going to grow. Right. Mm-hmm. And like you said, and then, I mean, I, the, it's just him like hitting the women, but like, it made me think like there was probably terrible fucking things happening, like rapes and, you know, a, you know, abuse and, and all this shit. And listen, so much abuse and horrific shit happened to black people during slavery. It's, no wonder, but like it just to see in this movie the depiction of like, and I think that's the point that they did in the film was like he's essentially manipulate like he's manipulating racism at that point. Like he's making a situation where they shouldn't be that that black shoulder soldier shouldn't have gotten shot. He shouldn't have been taught to steal. To loot, you know, Jay should have been trained as all other soldiers in the Union. Unfortunately, Army like we trained. we've seen it in in a lot of war and in all movies, like people do fucked up shit in those powerful situations. Like if you've got a gun and you're going into a town and someone and these two women, you know, are just there and you go into their house and start stealing their shit. I don't know. It's it's extremely mm. complicated. And I wanted to talk a little bit about and get I mean, especially too like if I was working in a field mm-hmm. for my whole life, grew up that way, family, see all like the atrocities and mm-hmm. abuse that slaves went through. And then somebody comes, yeah, I get a gun. They sign me right up and they say, you're going to fight now. And then a white woman touches me that oh, is a, yeah. pro- on, a, on a plantation, basically. No, yeah. Like I might have smacked her too. You know what I'm saying? No, absolutely. So, but also because you're being goaded by your superior who's yeah, telling you. To saying that this is okay to loot and pillage. Because Matthew, and then, Matthew Broderick's, um, uh, his bed regiment, like uh, as under Robert Shaw, he absolutely wants them to be treated with respect. And he, I mean, I want to get into this a little bit, but he definitely like trains them way better, you know, and, and, and instills like more militaristic values in them that he, Mm -hmm. you know, he volunteers to be the leader of this battalion. And, and obviously like he's in this movie, in this movie world, he's grown up with um, a man of color who was his best friend. And then like, you know, is obviously supposed to be portrayed as much more, um, for right for thinking, but I want to talk about that because he his battalion does not have shoes, and he kind of like accepts that you know he goes and asks for shoes for them. Their feet are all bloody and fucked up, and mm-hmm. then finally you know this one guy like Denzel Washington's character like runs away, and they capture him. They think he's like deserting, and he gets the cat of nine tails, and then they come to find out that it's because he has no shoes, and he doesn't realize how bad it is. And then he stands up for his guys and goes and gets the shoes and stuff. But my whole point is. The thing that really stuck out to me in this movie, and I actually went and read some reviews, and Robert Roger Ebert and I have the exact same opinion, and it was basically, this is Roger Ebert's quote, okay? Um, Watching Glory, I had one reoccurring problem. I didn't understand why it had to be told so often from the point of view of the 54th's white commanding officer. Why did we see the black troops through his eyes instead of seeing him them through his 
him through theirs. To put it another way, why does the top billing in this movie go to a white actor? I not ask not to be perverse, but because I consider this primarily a story about a black experience and I do not know why it has to be seen largely through white eyes. And as per usual, Rob, Roger Ebert, fucking great. That was my major thing throughout this whole movie. I was like, mm-hmm. why is this not the story from Denzel Washington's character's face uh, f- from his story or Morgan Freeman? Like in, t- in, it kind of rubs me. I know it's 1989 and I know that it was about like people finally seeing black soldiers as like valuable and like being a part of the conversation. But it did, it did rub me the wrong way that like, it was a little bit white savior complex. How did you feel? Uh, yes and no. But like to you alluded to early on that this was a lot of it was based off uh, his Shaw's letters mm-hmm. to his mom and his dad and his wife. So if that's the angle that they took, then that's just that story that they're telling. If they had more and all these other um, soldiers in this film are are fictional. Mm-hmm. So like Frederick Douglass is son that would be an interesting yeah. movie i think because he fought for the 54th mm-hmm. and he survived that battle mm-hmm. um that they show at the end so like if they got more you know history and like correspondence maybe between like him and his father if he was writing to his father or his wife um you know i'd definitely watch that movie so i do think and i do think like when we look at it in the context of 1989 like reading an interview with the guy who wrote the screenplay, it was like he was walking past the commons in Boston and he was like, oh, how come we've never like, to- like, you know, he noticed that we were black people in the statue. And he's like, yeah. and it was like the first time it had occurred to fucking anyone. So a part of me is like, I'd love to see a movie like this remade from the perspective of a black person, mm-hmm. like you said. But to your point, it's from Roger Sh- Robert Shaw's letters. But also we see it in the film the reason we don't have written historical letters and shit from people is because a lot of these people couldn't write and read because they weren't educated. You know, yeah, see, I don't know how much truth that is to the film because uh-huh. a lot of the people in the 54th um, were volunteers. Right. So it wasn't like, and, or, and free men their whole lives. They weren't, mm-hmm. there was, there was people that ran away from the plantations and freed slaves. Um, but a lot of them in the 54th were actually free men. So, yeah, to your, I don't know if like how I just if they weren't just educated yeah. or I'm just um, I'm just saying like what. history is preserved by people who, you know, have time as well. To, I, I'm very interested. And power. And, I and think power. it's a position of power. Um, and, that's but like told from this who's going to preserve, you know, like someone's it's all about history is written in an interesting way. Like we're coming to all understand now, I think with like the way that social media and stuff like anybody can put their ideas out there. There's a much more freedom platform, but like, Mm -hmm. you know, if somebody's letters survived, it's because somebody had the opportunity to protect those letters, you know, or whatever. So I think it's interesting and I forget who said it, but recently I read a quote and it was like, you know, how many Albert Einstein's didn't get the chance to realize their potential because of cotton fields or whatever, you know, like it's it's true. It's true. Right. Like that's a, that's a heavy thing to say right there. When you really think about that, there's almost four, four million people that were enslaved Mm -hmm. in the South and, or in the U S at one point at its highest point. So yeah, all those and all those family trees mm-hmm. and all that generational. And you're telling wealth. me that there weren't geniuses in, or like people that you know weren't about, but they didn't have the opportunity because maybe they're mm-hmm. you know they didn't have education or they were like 
their bodies were put through the fucking, you know, horrors of being enslaved. Yes. With that, I, I didn't make a connection by reading this, Mm -hmm. but you were talking about when Denzel got flogged, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Um, They actually at, during the civil war, it was outlawed for the military to do that. So that wouldn't have happened. Mm -hmm. I don't think during the civil war, but um, there was like a picture that you've probably seen before. Um, and it's like a, a black slave and he's like looking over his, um, left shoulder and he's just got whip marks everywhere mm-hmm. and they named him like Gordon. Mm-hmm. But, um, that picture gets shown around a lot about slavery and, but he actually became a union soldier. That guy in that picture, there's a picture, like a smaller one right to the right of it. Mm. And he's in a u- uh, union uniform. Mm-hmm. So that kind of sparked my thing. Like, I wonder if the writer took that and put that in for Denzel's character, mm-hmm. right? So a former runaway slave mm-hmm. lashes and uh, all over his back, and then became to fight for his freedom. And you know he was pretty heroic towards the end of that movie. It is different as well. Like you were saying, I think when you think about this movie, if the true accurate history of it is that the people that were signing up to the 54th were actually free men instead of like, like runaway slaves, it changes, you know, like the way that you think about this regiment in the sense that like, it's not like they were, they didn't have other options, right? Like, you know what I mean? So I'm, The Emancipation Proclamation Mm -hmm. um, only freed slaves that were in Union states that were fighting against uh, Confederate states that were fighting against the Union. So all you that the Emancipation Proclamation, if there was a slave like in the North, that didn't free that person. It only freed it only freed people that the Union was having conflict with at that time. So. He, uh, Abraham Lincoln said, all the people on the Confederate side, any slaves in Confederate territories, you're now free. Huh. That didn't free anybody else like in the North. Yeah. That came later. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I think, do you, is, do you feel that this topic is taught like well and extensively in schools in America? I couldn't tell you. Um, you know, I've been so far removed from public education. Right. So when you were I, when you were in school, do you feel like yeah, they covered it a lot? Not too much. It's probably like a couple chapters in a history book, yeah. probably in February, right? Right. And now you have this whole conversation about critical race theory, yeah. which majority people can't even speak to because mm-hmm. they don't understand yep. it. And that's a higher level education um, theory. And a lot of these, it's it's. I think it's a talking point that one party is running with to try to you know, make, make their point in that divide that they don't want that in schools when (laughs) teaching is, it's not even critical race theory. It's actual history. It's just explaining how, you know, black people came to this country, how they were treated. And then all of this stuff from the civil war and how that fed into Jim, the Jim Crow era. Mm -hmm. Right. Because all these Southern States still didn't feel like, um, that black people were equal so even though they were free, they were still shit on. And then that made way for, and Abraham Lincoln, you know, was assassinated. Mm-hmm. And then we get Jim Crow laws mm-hmm. and uh, separate bubblers and all that shit. Uh, I ask because I feel like, again, like, you know, I was texting you and I was like, I mean, there are in any instance, in any day, there's what, 
9 billion people on the planet, 8 billion people. Mm -hmm. Every day there is a story, right? And so when you look at a four or five year period of this war, this is just a slice of this one story that we made into a two and a half hour movie, right? And I just think that I don't know, and that's totally on me, but I don't know enough about this era. And like you said, it wasn't just like one day the slaves were all freed. There were so many nuances and so many fucked up things. Mm -hmm. And to understand how that happened and the domino effect and like the laws that were passed, like I do think it's very, very interesting. And I do think that it's not taught. I mean, certainly not in my, you know, Australian International School of Hong Kong because we, you know, didn't cover a lot. We don't, you just don't go into depth in things in general, you know, like even, yeah. even Aboriginal history and Australian history, they very much glossed over that. Cause that's a very, you know, not nice, honest white people thing. Um, and so of course it burns like, Oh, you know, and then this, and yeah, it, I just don't get, yeah, it's an uncomfortable conversation, but why shouldn't we uncover it exactly. and be uncomfortable in these situations so everybody can move forward and be on the same page? Like, yeah, damn, and that was fucked way, up. And by the way, kids, kids can, um, kids are, can absorb this stuff, you know, yeah. like, you know, yeah. um, because everything that a kid learns about biases and racism, like that is all learned because kids are just yeah. two blobs that are just now, like, some of the talking points on teaching some of the stuff in school is that teachers and the curriculum saying white people should feel guilty and white people should have that. I, I don't agree with that. Really? It shouldn't be any of that. It shouldn't be point. You shouldn't tell a little kid or a teenager, high schooler, you need to feel guilty because of your skin color or your background. No, but you should. We should be deep diving into black history, mm -hmm. you know, um, Chinese history, and anybody that's been in the U.S. and been a minority, yeah. you can teach these of how these groups struggled to try to claw their way totally. up in this, in this society. I don't want to disagree with you, but I, and I don't think, I think guilt is yes, the wrong word, but I think it's important for children to understand because this is, you know, me as a 30 year old person now, you know, just, I feel like just in the last like 10 years, which is terrible to say, but like understanding how the privileges that you have, if you come from a certain background, you know, is this, these are t difficult conversations to have with your parents, but it's like, you know, like for example, with my dad, who is a lovely human being, we were in France with him and he's talking about how he doesn't really see color. And I think, it's interesting because like for me as a white person, like I absolutely have to look at the privileges that I've had because I don't have five generations back, like a family that was enslaved, right? Like mm -hmm. this generational wealth that my family has been afforded because my grandfather was, you know, and, and certainly like, it's interesting to go back and, and be like, you know, my family did immigrate to Australia at some point, my grandmother's side, they're all Germans, um, pre, you know, the atrocities of the Holocaust and stuff like that. They left because of shit was heating up, but still like they had options to leave, you know, being in Ireland, mm -hmm. even like to go back to Ireland and look at the way, for example, like Irish people came in droves to New York and they were actually, you know, immediately like drafted into wars and stuff. They yeah, would get, a, off. get them off the yeah. boat and it's like, welcome to America, like come fight our wars and literally like just killed off because they were starving to death in Ireland, mm -hmm. you know, the trouble looking for a better opportunity right. for them and their families but that's also again like 
sorry to split hairs, but like, that's a choice. Like that person got on a boat as a choice. When you, when you look at enslaved people, like, I, I agree with you that like, it shouldn't be like to a five-year-old, like you should feel guilty. Don't, because to your point, yeah. if you have a, a elevated sense of the history in this country, you're going to be like, oh, I did have not. I can see all the pieces that mm-hmm. fell into place for someone um, to be looked at different. Like what's going on in society, right. with, you know, how some law enforcement still looks at black people, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like if you're educated from back in our history to to now mm-hmm. the steps that has taken to get to where we are today you can say you can see that whole picture mm-hmm. but if it's just like hey you know i'm i shouldn't be guilty just because i'm white and i work just as hard as that person yeah like, why should they have an opportunity all those different talking points that all media outlets like to take one little sliver of something and yeah. run with it i'm just i've been hearing a lot about that around like taking some of these some of this history out of school to like guilt trip white kids yeah and I mean, parents don't want that and they're screaming about that but that's not what no, it, it is what it's it is. just learning factual history and if you by the way if you're screaming and you're triggered by that then i think there's something else un- under the surface that you're not that you maybe know about but you're not like addressing right like mm-hmm. Like, I think we don't give kids enough credit. Kids are, incre- you know, they are just sponges of knowledge. And I think it definitely takes some delicacy to be like, this is the history. Like, obviously, a lot of human history is very gory and barbaric yeah. and awful to, to understand that people were just straight up fucking kidnapped from their countries and put on boats and then told, like, you're property now you know like it blows the mind right and it still happens today it's there's still modern day slavery and it's fucking awful to think about like the childhoods that we had versus like the childhood of somebody who's working in a factory in asia yeah. you know there's a uh, uh, what the uyghurs in china are being yep. held in like camps because of their religion i was I, w- so. I was in hong kong and i would see these signs you know as a teenager of like um falun dafa which is like a certain uh religious sect to people just like being disappeared and like you hear shit and uh you know here's me a white kid going to an expensive international school wearing a fucking blazer in the middle of the summer you know and a fucking hat panama hat and yeah i mean it's crazy but i think what will make the world a better place is if kids have an understanding and and like you said it's not like pointing a finger and being like you did this because if 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 you dig or you need to feel this way it's cracking that bubble like you said you were walking around in a blazer everything's good and it's cracking that and just say hey there's a kid down the street working on his mom's you know yeah there's some other things that are going on right now and some some points in society are looking down on these groups of people mm-hmm. and you know they're they're fighting and clawing to to get out of it or just seen as equal my favorite part in that movie is when they're walking down the beach and that um other that white union soldier that they got into it with looks get, looks at denzel denzel walks past him and he says give him hell 54 and everybody, all the white people started cheering, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, or all the other white union soldiers. I'm getting chills down my spine right now just thinking about, uh, it. thinking about it and saying it, right? Because at that point, 
It was what all what we want as like a black society is just equal. Yeah. Like not more. No, you know, don't, equal. No, nothing this, nothing mm-hmm. less. Just equal. Look at me. Just how that guy looked at Denzel and said, "Go, go, fuck him up. Go yeah. give him hell." He's doing. He's on. You know, we're on the same side. They're doing the same thing, fighting for the same thing we're fighting for. Right. And and that's the feeling. That's. The respect. I don't think there is equality in the world. I mean, that's not a hot take. You know, women are not paid the same amount of money as men. Um, women of color, like I have a friend who is a badass and she is a high up executive and she is always posting like essentially like women of color get paid, you know, much less than white women. And then mm-hmm. Hispanic women or Latino, Latin people of Latin descent get paid, you know, maybe like 5% more than women of black women. And then white women get paid 78% of what a white guy gets paid, you know? And it's just yeah. like, and then, so that's today, that's 2022. And then racism, like you were talking about, like if, if you and a white guy stand on a street and something goes missing, who's the cop going to look at? Like who, who's the immediate thought? Like, Oh, you stole it. You you know what I mean? Like there's Mm -hmm. just little biases like that. Like I just watched in the Heights on the plane and great film about like, uh, Puerto Rican, Cuba, Cuban American culture in the, in, uh, Washington Heights, right? Like the concept of the film. And there's the character and she's got this white roommate and she kind of wants to drop out of Stanford because something goes missing in the room and they search her and then she ends up apologizing. And look, that's a fictional scenario, but it's not right. Like, Mm -hmm. so I think this movie is interesting. And like you said, you got chills when you were recounting it, but like, it just goes to show that we've, we're always like (laughs) one step forward, two steps back, you know, like they go on the beach, they fucking, it's literally a suicide mission at the end of this film uh, of glory. And they're just, and by the way, also that, that whole scene at the end, it was like, nobody won that day. <laughs> like, what was the fucking yeah, what was the point? Um, they basically, yeah, they sacrificed themselves for well, the movement. So that's, that's what I, another aspect I love about this movie. Um, something they wove through, right? So um, Morgan Freeman's character is talking to Denzel and he's like, you know, you're the only N word around here that I can see. Cause he says, um, these white boys been, you know, fighting and dying for you. Right. And he's saying it's, when is it our, t- this whole time I've been wondering, when is it our time to kick in and fight and mm-hmm. fight like men? Right. So then, uh, Matthew Roderick goes down by the water and sees Denzel and he wants him to be the color guard, asks him to carry the regiment's colors. And he says, no, I don't want that. He's just, but it's time, you know, it's, it's time to kick in. And on that beach, that's when he picks up the flag Right. So like that sense of pride in what they're fighting for, fighting for freedom. So just that. And through that. So you have uh, Morgan Freeman say that to Denzel. Denzel say that it's time to ante up and kick in to Matthew Broderick. And then when the general is saying we need someone's force or uh, regiment to go be the first one in here, they're going to take a lot of casualties. Matthew Broderick steps up and says, we'll do it. Mm -hmm. So from Morgan to Denzel to Matthew Broderick, all of that, that pride and self-respect and belief in what they're fighting for that led to Matthew Broderick saying like, yeah, we'll do it. We're ready. You should see my, you should see my guys in action. Yeah, which, listen, the flag thing, I definitely did raise that with Scott. I was like, if I'm going into battle, I'm going to have a fucking gun. I'm not doing doing the flag. I don't care. If if you're the flag person, be like, yeah, give me at least like a pistol. 
or or a shield or something. Yeah, so a like shield. A gold flag, a shield. Well, just like but, just stab it in the ground. <laughs> you can see it. The flag doesn't. Yeah. yeah, I think the flag thing. And also, like, yeah. So wh- it's just like a thing of pride. I know, right? and I get and it. But I was respect. like, respect. I was like, but this an actual person that was uh, factual from this movie. Oh, really? um, a gentleman named William H. Carney um did grab that flag and he said it never touched the ground and he was awarded the first medal of honor for um an african-american soldier like 20 years later or something like that because they couldn't give him right away right um obviously obviously but, yeah he was um he he grabbed it and held it up and then he was award. he shot while doing it and he, he said it never let it touch the ground oh, the, and he was awarded the old with times How'd you get yeah. your medal? I uh, held a flag up. When I, <laughs> I was basically defenseless, just walking yeah. into cannon fire and musket fire. But that's kind of like a like a hey, like a rah rah no, thing, for right? Sure. So if you see if you see that flag still waving yeah. and moving forward, it's morale. That's gonna yeah. be morale, like for the other troops to keep moving forward. If you see that flag drop or running the other way, and then everybody's like, "Shit, yeah. let's get out of yeah. here." Yeah, I mean, because at the end of the day, it's a psychological game. Like, mm-hmm. let's talk about that. Like these fucking muskets, man. They literally to. <sighs> There's one scene earlier on where they're literally so close to each other. I think it's like 40 yards or something. I was reading about like the, the, you know, distance that these guns could shoot. It's not like now where we have drone strikes and, you know, even like world war two, where you could like drop bombs out of a sky and just flatten a whole village. Like this is like, you are dead looking at someone in their eye and they are very close to you. And then you are shooting and then it takes you a good 30 seconds to put another bullet <laughs> in. Reload. And then yeah. you've got a knife on the end of your gun, basically like a bayonet. And then you're stabbing people. It's, it's almost like hand-to-hand combat, which is just so crazy to me. Um, because yeah. yeah, there's in that last scene and in a bunch of the scenes, they're just like walking forward. They are just literally human shields. Like they are just meat bags walking to, and it's like 50, 50. And by the way, if you get shot in your leg, yeah. now you have no leg because they don't have, si- they don't have science. <laughs> it came almost uh, like revolution, the revolutionary war. It's mm-hmm. like, all right, you guys stand over there. We'll stand here. Yeah. We'll just shoot <laughs> we'll at each other. Shoot at each other. And then. And then the idea that you would keep walking, like you said with the flag, like, yeah, it is psychological because it's like you literally didn't have much of a chance of getting out of there. Like, there's no, mm-hmm. you're not wearing a body armor. Oh my God. None of that. Yeah. And then it's move forward. Like, could you imagine seeing one of your buddies get hit in the head with a cannon round? A cannon? Yeah. I'd be running so I'm not very brave, I guess. I mean <laughs> I mean I believe in the you know, the cause. Yeah, it depends what you're fighting for. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but still I feel like that's a lot of lot to ask. Um but yeah, I mean, what a brutal time. I mean, watching this film, I was like everything's so dirty. There's so many people shoved into a tent. There's kids there that were like the drummers, which Scott was telling me that that was historically accurate, that he's read stuff about that, about like they essentially had like the drummer boys were kids. And in the film as well, I'm sure you noticed he sends them to the back, which was clearly safer because otherwise they're drummers. Again, someone without a fucking weapon just. Yeah. I think um, they knew that they're going to get lit up. Mm-hmm. So he was like, all right, you know, and I think they, they kind of kept step to that with the drummer mm-hmm. boys. Uh, like when they were marching, mm-hmm. like half step, full step. And then, you know, Matthew Braddock was just like, all right, on the double. And they sped up 
And then just shit gets crazy once uh, the rebels started. They were close enough where the rebels could start shooting at them. Yeah, you don't want to be the guy on the downward slope, but they were, you know. No. <laughs> and, and my thing was like, bring back one of the oldies. Bring back bow and arrows where you can shoot from a distance and over. Yeah. Try to clear some of those people out. Uh, I don't know. It's uh, yeah. maybe that just I'm not a military strategist. strategist. But. <laughs> no, the best strategy is to walk into the cannon fire, David, obviously. Yeah. It, it's crazy to think how weapons have progressed. Um, like Civil War, like it was nothing compared to World War One mm-hmm. with military weapons. Which was weapons. nothing and compared to World War Two, which was... II, and then if we see another one with the technology I mean, hopefully, today, God, hope, yeah. touch, you know, touch wood. But yeah, I mean, there's wars all the time. You know, what about like the Cold War with like submarines just surveying you know yeah yeah and that was probably a super paranoid time fuck yeah with it for for everybody yeah oh my god yeah, thinking and nuke, nuke bomb shot the, at the country yeah. anytime yeah yeah after we watched this film scott and i got into a debate again this is what happens when you're in isolation we were talking about like would you rather be in the army or the navy or the air you know the air force and i think we both thought the air force would be probably the best place because I don't yeah. I don't know if I'd want to I could never do the Navy you don't think so? no I'd be claustrophobic in the submarine I was just saying too that. long in, inside yeah. and something I don't have control over if I'm on land yeah right and I'm fighting in the army it, I could try to duck or get it be, behind something if you're um, in a submarine and a, and a torpedo comes at you yeah, <laughs> yeah you're, and you're fucking millions of feet under the water I know I feel you I feel you uh I, I think that Air Force, but the Air Force did not exist at this time. There was no such yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's wild too. They, so someone invented airplanes, and then someone was like, "Yeah, let's use these as weapons." Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> How can we weaponize this? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I uh, also noticed in the film, obviously, not a surprise, not a ton of women. The only woman is no. his mom, and she's in it for like. A hot second. Um, mm-hmm. This is not, yeah, this is not a a cast of, you know, standout actress roles. But um, I would be interested if they remade a film like this to see. I- I'm always interested in, in the women, obviously, as a woman. But also just because, you know, they, in every war in this period, like, fuck, they lost so many men. Jesus Christ, you know. And so mm-hmm. you have this society now that's like all women and kids. And old people, because it's the people, the able-bodied people are all off, off fighting. So yeah, it was cr- the South was actually enlisting slaves because they were losing people. Yeah, and it's it's pretty wild to yeah come fight for the the thing countries that want to or the the yeah the Confederate army who wants to keep you enslaved. Like no, it's yeah, it's like no, it's like- so like they would dissent. If they probably any chance they had, anytime they saw a Union uh, battalion, they probably dissented, I would assume, because they knew they could take off and they'd be free with them. Yeah, like shooting into the sky. I didn't, oh, I didn't hit him. But uh, like Harriet Tubman, she's uh, very big during these conflicts. She, I I saw something the other day, she organized like a bunch of families um, in a southern territory to be boated out of there mm-hmm. and they chased off all these rebel soldiers out of this field yeah. and then they got the, the African 
uh, American families on these boats to a bigger ship and got them out of the cell. Yeah, even the women. Yeah, I mean, it's it's yeah. The the thing like with the civil war like this, like every single person I'm sure was affected, right? Like, and again, in every single day, there's a story. It's, it's the mother who lost her son or it's, you know, I don't know, the, the woman who, you know, finally they were freed or something. And then, you know, off he goes and now she's navigating the world as a woman of color in this new world. I I don't know. There's like a lot of stories. So I'd be very interested to see if they remade it in 2022, but I wonder if they would make something like this again, David, because again, I think it would have to be from the perspective of a person of color because I think and I also think that we would need to see more people of color in the you know in the driving seats because I did read the quote that um the director Ed Zwick was like I didn't know if they were gonna you know want me a, a little scrawny Jewish guy to make this movie but you know yeah it's good for him for telling the story yeah and then this Denzel won an Oscar for this I know yeah. He almost turned Would it down, you? I saw. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Why? Just because he, you know, didn't really resonate with the material and then he read it or something and it was like more fleshed out. And thank God, because, yeah, he got his Oscar for it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, he did a great job, he especially did. that tear it up scene because they're, they're paying black folks $3 less to die. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but, okay, so if somebody made this from... I don't know if this movie might exist, but what if somebody made um, from the viewpoint of a Southern general or soldier? I think people are hesitant to do that, to be honest, because I think they've been so like vilified. And mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like, do you want to watch a movie from a Nazi general's perspective? You know, not, <laughs> no, real, not, so not really. Not so much. So, yeah. and then, cause then it's like, do you make them a sympathetic? Like I haven't seen it yet, but this, I read the book, this show inventing Anna. Have you been watching it or heard of it? Uh, yeah, I just I could, there's some accents in that show that you can get into. Really get past. Yeah. So I was just talking to the guy that was minding our house while we were away. He's here for an extra day. We got to hang out with him. Um, David knows him too. This guy Wes, who we love, and he was saying he was watching it, and by the end of it, he started to actually feel for Anna, the main character, this like total, you know, piece of shit, like swindler <laughs> person. And so I think if you made a movie from a Southern general's point of view, like. Of course, the writer's instinct is going to be to humanize this person. So I think yeah. I think it's like an interesting, like could be bad if you're. So yeah. here's an example. Mm-hmm. I catch myself sometimes when I, I love westerns, mm-hmm. right, old mm-hmm. westerns, mm-hmm. and then I see them like fighting Native Americans, mm-hmm. and then I'm like, wait a minute, fuck that. The white mm-hmm. people are the ones that are doing mm-hmm. something wrong mm-hmm. here. And then it's like, no, like do do your thing, scalp that motherfucker. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because it's told from now we got to clear this land or Mm -hmm. we got to get these people across to California Mm -hmm. for whatever reason. And we're going to kill Native Americans Mm -hmm. along the way, Mm -hmm. indigenous people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I agree with you. It's like it's you start to feel for these people. It's like we shouldn't absolutely should not feel for the the people in the Confederacy. And that's an interesting thing, David, is like, you know, I, I did some road tripping with Scott last year and we went to like Utah and we went to like Arizona and the Confederate flag. Like I always kind of knew what it represented, kind of, you know, blah, blah, blah. Now, after watching Glory, I'm like, that's just a racist ass flag. Look at your fucking like that. Well, 
That's why people are trying to pull down statues in the South of these Confederate leaders. And that's part of it, too, like with uh, the era Jim Crow. So they started elect, uh, erecting all these statues of uh, people in the Confederate Army. And it's like, no, it's just South love. You know, we care about our history. It's like, no, you guys seceded from the United States of America. Right. Like that's it's not something to be proud of over free labor you wanted free labor free labor for um you know your your industries that were making a ton of money and i just don't understand anybody that fights for something that benefits them but disadvantages other people like that to me i yeah, at the expense of can't rep yeah. and by the way like even to this day like i'm so guilty of it too i fucking buy stuff from amazon and i know that they treat their work is like shit and that there's like, mm-hmm. you know, there's modern day slavery everywhere. Whenever you buy a cheap yeah. fucking sweatshirt, you know, like think about that. Um, you have to be better. We all have to be better about it. But I also don't go around flying a flag. That's like, I love free. I love slaves in China making my you know free stuff. wild too. I saw that um, the slave trade, once the Confederate like government was set up, the slave trade was illegal. Interesting. But slave trade was not, or sorry, uh, slave trade was illegal, but slavery was not. So you, and then so, so it's, when they started, it's like cocaine's not illegal, but selling cocaine is illegal. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Fuck. Yeah, yeah. And then so they're like, oh, we're, we're doing better, but we're not getting rid of our free labor. Yeah. And then um, so you can breed, you can breed, yeah. quote unquote, more slaves, homegrown <laughs> exactly. American yeah. slaves. You just can't be going to Africa and pinching people from the shores anymore. Okay, guys? No. Yeah. And it's probably they looked at their, you know, their profit and loss structure and said, it costs too much money to go get new ones anyway. So let's just stop. All the ships um, keep sinking and people keep dying. We'll just grow them here at home. That's the whole thing. Oh my fucking Um, God. they, They also started to need to draft people because the union outnumbered them, mm-hmm. um, especially after, you know, losing battles. So they were drafting people from like 18 to 30 or 35. But then if you owned 20 or more slaves, you weren't ele- you wouldn't get drafted. You were out of the running for <laughs> being drafted. Like what is like I, I like boggles my mind. So if you own 20 or more slaves, like, no, you're good. You probably have a farm to run. So they probably could you're probably busy. pay their way out yeah. of that or, or give supplies. But Jesus. they weren't. They didn't get drafted in the Do you Confederate own people? Government. Okay, fine. You can just. Yeah. Hang back. Yeah, just hang back. Oh, I know. Well, I'm glad you made, made me watch this movie because, again, huge gap in my knowledge. I wouldn't say I'm a big like, I don't actively seek out, like, war stories. I know, mm. I think it's because I'm, like, a pacifist, I guess, is the right term. I don't know if that's a bad word. Um, no, that's, that's okay. But I don't I don't think I would obviously love to live in a world where there is no war. I absolutely think, you know, we unfortunately have to push back, like I, I've spoken about before. Like, I'm radicalized now, and, like, I think capitalism is the worst. And, you know, I hope it doesn't come to a class war, but it's could be something along those lines. Yeah, could you imagine a, a civil war right now in the in our could country? Could I imagine it? Yes. Like, I, yeah, how bizarre that it would, would be. It would be terrible. It would be fucking yeah. terrible. It would be. Te- it's terrible to think of fighting anyone. Um, 
you know, and I think Americans have a bit more of a militaristic background than Australians. Like we celebrate mm-hmm. a day called Anzac Day, which is where we, um, you know, remember the people that we that we lost at like Gallipoli and and all these different wars. And it's it's very sad. But like also, I come from a very small country that our military force is not not big. We're also, you know, a, an island, so like not mm-hmm. not hard necessarily to defend i think america like war is in your blood like from fighting amongst yourselves yeah, to makes us money too. to make the money uh, aspect is fucked up about it yeah. you know but i i just think there wasn't i know it's, it seems like there's a lot of division but if you actually get out and go talk to people that are quote unquote on another side than uh-huh. you you're going to find a lot of common ground. So it's just, so that, if, so that's, if there was a civil war in our country, it would be because everybody was in their own echo chamber uh-huh. and not getting outside their comfort zone or their little pods um, where they feel comfortable saying their views and actually going to talking to other people that they may disagree and with. And that's where I think it's not a Republican democratic thing. I think again, it's a, it's a class thing. And I think yeah. it's an education thing. And I don't know, again, I'm not American, so, you know, feel free to tell me to shut the fuck up. But like, yeah, I went to Montana, made a commercial out there, had some great conversations with people and human to human, like I'm very different than a cowboy, right? Like someone who works the land and their life is very different than my bougie ass life where I'm like, oh my God, I had to go to Ralph's on Sunset, you know, like it's so hard. (laughs) So I like that Ralph's. Rock and roll Ralph's. You know, our (laughs) lives are very different, but like at a human level, we were all there just to make a commercial and fuck it we all got paid and yeah i i really think that there's like all these great analogies where it's like if you have a black a bunch of black ants and a bunch of red ants in a jar and you shake it they'll fight if you don't they'll just leave it alone and i i think now the older i get the more i'm like when i'm supposed to be against this other person like who's actually benefiting from us disagreeing mm-hmm. and i think you can look at that too with the glory and with this the slave trade it's like the, the enslaved people it's like who was ultimately benefiting the people who were making money off that yep. fucked up situation you know like the person who has a small farm and you know needs laborers it's again it's it's like the it's the trump thing right like these people like screaming about money for billionaires and it's like dude you are not a billionaire <laughs> You know, yeah. you are voting against <laughs> you your should, own interests. Yeah, you should be about your your self-interest and you and your family and not worried about. Yeah, like if there is a civil war and you're talking class divide, these people that are very well off are not going to be phased by that. No, they're going to they're going to go, go to their they're going to be protected. Yep. They're going to exactly they're going to get out of country. Um, they'll go to the, they'll, they probably have second passports in like a place in Europe, yeah. you know. And then when the smoke settles, they'll be right back. Um, making investments in all the fucked up property <laughs> around town that they can buy it cheap. I will not. So. I, I thought we were going to have a civil war at some point in 2022. I mean, you and I both lived through LA at that time. Remember when the army mm-hmm. rolled into town? Um, I'll never forget because it was yours and Scott's birthday. You guys have a close birthday. It was at around that time. And we had like you guys over and you had to run. Home. You only live a few streets away. You guys had to run home because there was like suddenly this curfew. And that, yeah. that was like the scary time for me as a foreigner being like why is the national guard here because we're fighting against racism like it was just so bizarre and i was and i know a lot of people who were like that's it i'm going to the desert and people just like left you know and like yeah it's just you know in a pandemic as well (laughs) Mm -hmm. and people could 
had more time to focus on these things. I just don't get where the divide is for some people that they can't get on board with racism is fucked up. Yeah. Inequality is fucked up. Um, I just don't know why there's an argument there. And that's throughout history. If you actually look at it, um, like, like you're saying, like there, there should be no reason why people shouldn't be equal in every aspect. I don't think people want to look deep enough. Again, like I love my father to the ends of this earth, but we've had, we had so many difficult conversations with him driving around France and his you know, beautiful chateau that he lives in because he's never had to work too, too hard because A, he's a boomer and B, I mean, he's worked hard and like, sure, he's had hardships, but like, you know, trying to explain to him that like, you've been in a very privileged position because you're, you had education and like, it's not just a white and person of color thing. It's also like this generation above us, like they do not have the debt that we have, right? They could mm-hmm. buy houses. Um, and I think my dad's it's a great example. Like he's, not a bad person. He loves people. He doesn't, he quote unquote, doesn't see color, but he doesn't see why that's a problem. And he doesn't understand where his privileges have come in. And I don't know if I'll ever be able to fully make him understand because we have had so many conversations and also him being Australian and not seeing like the deep entrenched racism that like that I'm now witnessing in America. Um, it's, it's just also so different, right? Like it's, um, yeah, it's, it's super interesting. So People that don't see it, maybe it's, like I said, maybe it's just a lack of understanding and maybe not wanting to confront some uncomfortable things about themselves and about, yeah. about history. Or they feel like they're being attacked when they're not. Yeah. It's not a, it's not an attack on you, any of those people. Your family it's, it's just or, like, yeah. yeah. It's just like, hey, look what's going on over here. You know, mm-hmm. like you guys should be upset about this too. And can't we, and like, and I've heard, you know, my dad's like, oh, I struggled too. And my family, this and that. And it's like, can we actually just all acknowledge that like, we've all had fucked up shit in our histories mm-hmm. and in our ancestries, like look at Ireland again to bring it back. And I only do because I was just there like two days yesterday, two days ago, like, but you can't say, you know, like the Holocaust was fucking terrible. Right. And like the Jewish people were terribly victimized and still are, you know, to this day. So, but you can't compare that to, you know, it's, it's not, you know, Irish people were also treated badly, but you can't say like they were Jewish people were treated worse. And then Irish people didn't have it as hard. Like, you know, it was just yeah, trying to weigh no, each one out. It was fucked up. Each, each atrocity. You just yeah. look at the thing it's by itself and say that was completely fucked up. And if you, up. and if you are a person that wants equality, you say, how do we make it better? How do we move forward? Yeah. How do we? Because you can put all those right. fucked up things in a bucket and say, yeah, like your point. This should never happen. None of this stuff should ever happen again. Right. How do we make sure none of this and ever happens again? Acknowledge that the Holocaust was super fucked up and. We never want that to happen again. And we don't want yeah. Jewish people to be attacked or, you know, or um, pe- people of Asian descent, which we're seeing a lot of hate crime against mm-hmm. people of Asian descent. That's unacceptable. There should be. That's why yeah. this country set up beautifully the way, you know, the Constitution's written and everything. And, you know, it we're supposed to be equal. But are we, are we practicing that? Exactly. And, we, and, and you, even if you never have if in America. becomes a U.S. citizen. Yeah. Wherever they're from, you know, like you said, the Asian hate. So because of the pandemic and then people are targeting people when they have no idea really what the fuck is going on. And then you're looking at somebody else to to blame, like, you know, the Nazi Germany looking for we're in a tough spot let's look for somebody to blame and it and it was misplaced and it's just like human nature can be 
really fucked up. It can be really beautiful and, you know, compassionate and caring. And at the other side of that, it's like, whoa, the thing, some of the things we do to each other. Why can't, and exactly, like, why can't we acknowledge that each of those situations were terrible and learn from them and say, how do we do better? I, I mean, the thing is, mm-hmm. people have to want to do better. You know, like, yeah. we want to do better. I want to do better. Um, but it's a collective. And, and we have to learn about it. And we have right? to learn we about gotta, it. We have to face. <laughs> we have to look at where what happened in the past to be able to say, how does this never happen again? Yeah. Ha- and we have to face it. And thing, I think this movie, like, Glory. You know, there are movies that are great starting points. There's documentaries. I know Scott just edited something at Masterclass that was about black history. Um, Mm -hmm. We have to, and he, you know, part of the reason we went away, as you know, David, was because it was a lot of like him having to listen to like hate speech. And, but you know what? He needed to do that to edit it together so that we can have people talk about it and learn from it. And it's uncomfortable and it's, it's awful, but you know, and this and this story, Glory, is just one of many, you know, films that we need to acknowledge. Although I did want to ask you, and I know we're getting long in the tooth, and we got to start wrapping it up. But how did you feel about the use of the N word in this film? Because I found it very jarring. Of course, uh, I don't, because in art you got to use that it's impactful. Mm-hmm. These things were said to these people mm-hmm. at this time. Mm-hmm. It's part of part of the history, part of the story you're telling. And it would be odd to me if they removed the N-word from this movie. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I find it jarring. I find it to be... That's good that you find it of jarring. Of course I do. Of course I... Yeah, you know. and that it's like, it's a red flag for you when you hear it. Yeah. Um, I, but yeah. I find it, you know, I find it offensive. I think you're right in the historical context. I'm wondering for you as an actor too, if... Cause you won't even say it. Like you don't say it on the podcast. Like you don't say it, no, you know? No. So if you were given a role, let's say in a film like this and you were required to say it, do you think you would? Yeah. You would. Of course I would. Yeah. Yep. Cause I need to, I, me, I need to step into this character and, um, give that person like all the respect that they deserve. And I need to tell that story truthfully. Mm-hmm. Right. I let that character flow through me truthfully. So if it's an, if it's in this time during a civil war, during a ton of tension, and this is what white people are referring to me as, or I'm in a group of people that use this word, right? Then, then yes, I would say it. Now, if it was me, like we've talked about in other times, like if I was just calling somebody the F word, right? Because of their sexuality mm-hmm. and the movie took place in, uh, you know, 2003, then I'd be like, no, nah, I'm not comfortable saying this because right. there's no re- there's no reason for this word to be in here mm-hmm. if i want to disparage somebody or down this person in this moment of anger um i can say a handful of other words if you guys need me to, to do a little rewrite for the sentence i will you see what i'm saying yeah but this time period yes i think absolutely i would i would have to be honest and truthful yeah. with that and honor the material i get that mm-hmm. i think for me i <sighs> I don't, when I see these like white actors doing it, I'm like wondering, you know, how they felt. I mean, in the late 
eighties. I don't know that it was as, you know, people weren't as woke or weren't as conscious of the f- yeah. using the correct language. Cause like you said, the F word is used in <laughs> comedies that we've reviewed that took place like, you know, eight years ago, 10 years ago. Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting. Um, but yeah, so that's glory. We really didn't talk too much about the film. <laughs> that's okay. I, I, yeah. I would say go watch this movie yeah. if you haven't, um, go check out, um, can, can we drop, uh, what Scott was working on? Can we pitch pitch it a little bit? Uh, yeah, I think we can drop what it's called. I forget. Do you remember what it's called? Yeah. Well, there's a very good documentary that Masterclass did, and it's on actually Amazon Prime. Amazon yeah. Prime. So <laughs> I would check that out. I would check out the one on Apple Plus, and then I think HBO Max is doing um, one about Frederick Douglass on yeah on HBO Max. So there's a ton of stuff. Yeah, like you can just Google. I like I like that they're doing this stuff. I think it's late in the game and I think I'm glad that it's all happening now. I hope that it continues to happen across these platforms, across these people with eyes because, you know. But unfortunately, I think the stressful thing for me, David, is like I will watch that shit because I am trying to be better and I am learning and I want my kids to be better than me and to have an understanding of the fucked up shit that's happened, but it's it's not it's not the me's of the world that need to consume, consume this yeah, media true. because I already am having these difficult conversations with you. I'm already learning. It's people who, mm. and like, how do you appeal to someone who doesn't know any black people in Montana or wherever, you know? Yeah. And that's the hard part. I mean, I got people in extended family that are, need more of this, you know what I mean? That are outright racist and I don't want to have anything to do with them. And yeah. so I don't, but it's like, you know, their mm-hmm. kids, um, are they going to be that way? Are they going to grow up with that mindset because all the stuff they heard and were mm-hmm. exposed to? And it's, it's sad, um, to see, you know, somebody I knew from like a little kid grow up Become and hateful. then exactly start taking on some of that mindset because they were pointed in that direction. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting as well to have just been outside of the U S for a couple of weeks and to realize that when you go to like Europe or Australia or wherever you leave this country, the rest of the world is much more kind of connected to each other. In some ways, the U S is very insular looking and it makes sense. Massive country, you know, massive population, but like Europe Mm -hmm. is so connected to each other that like conversations, I mean, you certainly get people that are in their bubbles, but it's sort of harder to avoid international news because like, right. You know, of course they have their own local news stories and stuff, but like they still are aware of like what's happening in other parts of the world. And I feel like in America, we focus very much, especially like in the news, you know, we're very much looking inwards Mm -hmm. at like this political party said this, like I think we all need to take a more global look to personally um, because that's another way to break down these barriers is to realize that like, yeah, like, I, I don't know. I remember, I think I've told this story before, but like, I have a friend who's like a black guy from Sweden. Um, and he would come out here and they would send him to castings and they'd be like, oh, you're African American. He's like, I'm not American. I'm just black. You know, like, just it's just funny that like American cult. Anyway, yeah. so that's sort of a sidebar. But yeah, the, the people, like you said, that are, they're ignorant to these issues. There's got to be a way to to break through to them. And I don't, I don't yeah, have some sort of inroad yeah. with that, but, and you would hope it would be, uh, 
public school, private school, whatever, you would hopefully that they would just teach history just on the matter of facts yeah. that it is and and then be able to have those discussions with these kids in school. But it sounds like we're banning books now and um, saying we don't want to talk about these these different histories in public school. So maybe we're not going the wrong or going the right way, which I is also I think we sad. also, though, have to have a little faith. And this is me, the true optimist, in that like the generations that come after us are always better. Gen Z, I have so much faith in them. You know, they have had the internet their whole entire lives. We kind of got the internet, you know, like in middle school or like it was around, you know, but we... The the free flow of information, I know that can be bad. And then you've got things like um, the QAnon stuff, um, which there's a great documentary about it. If you haven't seen it, it's it turns out like, I don't know if they officially said it, but it, it was started by this guy in the Philippines, this like white guy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm hopeful, you know, because if a kid is taught something, something is this way, they can also jump on the internet and find other people and stuff like that. And, mm-hmm. and maybe, I mean, you've probably seen super hateful comments on like Instagram and YouTube and stuff like that, where people are so blinded, they can't even hear or intake the information. Um, yeah. but yeah. you know, the, there wasn't there a black guy that joined the KKK and one by one he started turning people. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. You would take people in the KKK and just start flipping them because he'd become mm-hmm. their friends and they'd see like, if my whole premise and foundation is based up hating that I don't these even people, know, but I love yeah. this, but I but I love this guy who's a really good mm-hmm. friend of mine now that shatters their whole premise of wanting to hate you know, minorities basically. So anytime, you know, it's, it's love over hate hate. and hopefully, yeah, people can take that and whether I, it's just, I hope, I just really hope that it's more early on in people's lives than towards the end of their lives. Cause then that's going to carry some regret. But I mean, listen, as as we saw in glory, like these guys are still dying and they deserve to die for the $10 a week, you know, not seven, you know, we all at the end of the day bleed the same blood and everybody just wants to live. I think the best version of their lives. Some people I think come into this world and they don't, you know, there's just negative bullshit, but we are products of our circumstances. And yeah, in my mind, it's like, be the best version of the person that you can be and, and spread as much love as you can and, and try to understand people. And even for me, it's like being foreign. Like when I went to Montana, I was so like blown away by how different, especially like LA is such a bubble. And then very recently on the plane, actually, again, the plane viewing, it was long flights guys. I started watching (laughs) Yellowstone and I'm fucking obsessed with that show now Fantastic such show, a great yeah. show it's like succession on a ranch and i wish that i had seen that show before i went to montana because it made me understand i am so far away from a cowboy of course i'm a white chick who grew <laughs> up in hong kong and you know has soft hands and does writing and is like Meh, my ideas but i it just gave me insight into that life how hot it is um the challenge you know life on the res kind of goes into a little bit um the challenges i don't know man i just think if i was just gonna say if we all just took a minute to like consume each other's art and like just you know and go like go you talked about technology and like gen z's like i i'm hopeful but i was laughing to myself watching glory like the second time today um you know it's like women and minorities are making strides like you said women are paid less but it's going in the right direction companies are at least saying 
that they're trying to to be equal and um you know go away from inequality but then you got uh this white dude mark zuckerberg this you got women of minority going in the right way. And then, then he's like, oh, let's just go all live online. <laughs> in None of us. Yeah, which which could be even worse with this like hate speech. Because no one can tell me that being nice to somebody or doing something good when you're out in public doesn't feel good. It always feels yeah. good. I don't care how much of a negative person you are. If you do, if you're nice to somebody and you feel like you did a good thing or a nice thing, you're going to feel good about it. And that feels a lot better than holding on to anger, frustration, pointing fingers, any of that negativity that can eat you up. Everybody should just do what the Irish does, which is go for a pint and a toasty. That's literally what they do. <laughs> Every, <laughs> What's a toasty? Toasty is like a toasted sandwich, you know, like ham and cheese, okay. grilled sandwich. Yeah, yeah. Pi- literally pint and a toasty. And the number of bars I went into, which is probably honestly how I got COVID or from kiss- kissing the Blarney <laughs> Stone, I was like lulled into a false sense of security because everybody is like so chill over there and they're all vaccinated. Joke's on me. Um <laughs> You know, just the conversations I had with people and, uh, you know, having a beer, if you don't drink, having a Sprite and having a toasty and just sitting in a bar and having a chat. Like, yeah, I agree with you. Being in person with people is just so key. And like even someone that has such different ideas than me, at least having a conversation, like I said, in Montana, like, you know, and making the brightening their day a little or something, making a joke, sharing a joke. I don't know, man. If you're open to your point uh, that you said earlier that people are closed off, if you're open to receive uh, people, yeah, right? Take in who they are, take in their viewpoints. Don't ever have to agree with anybody. Like what you feel is what you feel. But to be open to, to receive what they're trying to talk about, their background, how they view things is only going to make you better. It's not going to hurt you. Yeah. To, to listen, to actually listen and, to somebody. And some people don't want new, you know, no new friends. They don't want to, yeah. they don't want to open their minds. It's a shame because I think mm-hmm. for me, the best thing in life is travel and new experiences and new people and new opinions. Um, and I'm always- That's growth. Yeah. That's personal growth when you do that stuff. And, and some people are afraid of that and I, I get it. But yeah, I guess my big takeaway from Glory was that there's a lot we don't know and- yeah human is human and yeah i'm glad we watched it i think this movie is a classic i think you know the more i reached read about it i was like how have i not seen this film then again you know i just saw rocky like a year ago so there's so i was thinking about this other there's so many movies we haven't seen There's so many movies yeah i haven't seen the color purple which is like required viewing i think for a american history and b you know film history um I wouldn't say nine to five is like required viewing, but it's great film. Like, you know, just like, so yeah. Dolly's awesome. I love Dolly. I want to watch all the <laughs> movies with Dolly. We should do that film. But I, my shout out is going to go to Bob Miner. He was the stunt coordinator on this film. Um, he is a man of color. I was watching a behind the scenes thing and uh, he was talking about how they kind of invented a couple things for this, like the double rig where they pulled people back. Um, that last scene, obviously in glory where they run up the hill a lot of people doing a lot of stunts it's all very very choreographed of course Mm -hmm. none of this is you know accidental we also obviously just spoke to kim fa 
Scotty, who's an amazing stunt stunty guy and i don't know i just like have so much respect for stunts more and more recently because that job is hard and in a film like this where you're in like period appropriate clothing as well holding bayonets some of those bayonets were real by the way um some of them were rubber the guys at the front but like damn you know lots of explosions in this lots of like falling lots of squibs which is the things that like you know, blood, you put them under people's clothes and it looks like they got shot. So yeah, Bob, you're a legend. And he said, so cute in this behind the scenes thing. He was like, it was the time of my life talking about working on this film, especially like, think about it. He's working with a very majority, like people of color cast, um, some people that ended up, I think Morgan was probably pretty famous at the time, but Denzel wasn't not very well known. And just these fucking heavy hitters, Andre, yeah, all of them. Love it. So, Bob, we see you and we appreciate you. See you and we appreciate you, Bob. Oh, Bob, uh, who you got? I got Freddie Francis. Okay. And he is a director, cinematographer, mm-hmm. and camera and electrical department. Mm. Um, he was more on the um, cinematography side. He was the director of photography mm. on this movie. Mm-hmm. And I thought some of these shots were just amazing. Yeah. Like you said, that storming up that beach hill mm-hmm. um, that when they were setting off against each other, when they're like 40 yards away, mm-hmm. just uh, multiple scenes in this. The one that gave me chills when they're walking out to the beach. Mm-hmm. So this dude is... He's got so many credits. He's actually, he passed away, but um, he's got 37 director credits, 37 cinematographer credits, 23 camera and electrical department, two writing, and then like 17 self. So he uh, he had a great career. He was born in 1917. Oh my God. In London, England. And he passed away in 07. Wow. Oh. In, uh, in, in 90 years. In the UK. Yeah. So, and a lot of that was is filmmaking. So, thank you, Freddie, for putting your Thanks, your stamp Freddie. on the yeah. on the industry and your contribution to this movie. Yeah, DOPs, cinematographers, like they are the right hands of the directors. If you don't know, we should get some cinematographers on on the pod. Yeah, I know um, a couple of them, so we'll definitely. Because I think that, that, you know, the creative brains, it's like talking to Kim and like talking to all the different people we talk to, like everybody breaks down a film in a different way. And every part is just as important as the other part. You know, you couldn't have a film without lighting. You couldn't have a film without sound. You can have a film without costumes, without the actors, obviously the director, like the writer, like it's just, (laughs) it's just so crazy how many people it takes to, uh, pull pull things together so so what do you think david do you think that this film (sighs) aged like milk what are you what are you thinking i think this movie did not age like milk i think it held up i think this was a great um look at the civil war Mm. and the impact of African-American black soldiers on the war Mm. because a lot of historians will say it turned the tide to help defeat the Confederate um, army. Right. So it's just I think a lot about representation when I watch this movie. And Morgan Freeman getting down to South Carolina or in the South. And those little boys are cheering for him. And he's like, your eyes pretty much don't deceive you. Right. I'm a runaway slave come back fighting in the union army. So seeing stuff like that, seeing um, just black people in like these kind of positions acting 
Um, you know, it, Denzel winning an award for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, little kids seeing Obama being president. Mm-hmm. And that shows that, okay, then I can do this in this country. Mm-hmm. It can happen. It was done. So I, I just love this movie for a lot of different reasons. I actually did Morgan Freeman's um, <laughs> one of his monologues mm-hmm. in a showcase in Chicago when I was trying to find agents and managers mm-hmm. like a long time ago. And uh, yeah, it's uh, a couple of these scenes give me chills and it's just uh, I think it holds up and it's a it's a great movie Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. good what about you yeah I mean I think it holds up like I said my major thing is I would like to see if this film was to be remade I'd like to see it from the perspective of a person of color and I would like to see a director of color um, direct it because ultimately it is a story I know it was from the letters of Robert Shaw but I do think ultimately this is a story of triumph you know of a a terrible situation, but like people with honor and strength, you know, fighting for what they believed was right. And yeah, it's, it's hard for me. I I do think this film is pretty fresh, but I do struggle with the fact that Matthew Broderick, you know, it's from his character's perspective. So I would say it's fresh milk in like outdated packaging, maybe, um, you know, packaging from, (laughs) from the nineties where they were like, Oh yeah, let's tell, let's tell the story from Matthew Broderick's perspective. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'd be curious to see if they remake it. I think there's a lot of interesting films that kind of center around the Confederacy. Um, nothing that I've seen that I can recall that specifically touches on this battalion, but yeah, very, very interesting film. I'm glad you had me watch it. And I definitely, you know, again, every week I'm like closing the gap on like what I haven't seen. And every week a new movie comes out and I'm like, fuck. Um, But, (laughs) you know, I do think people should go and see it, especially foreigners who might not know what this is about. And yeah, it's some stellar performances, like you said, but brutal. Jesus. I am so, so grateful that I don't have to fight in a war with bayonets and cannons. My God. No, no thanks. Yeah, that'd be awful. Be awful. And then just be like, just go up that hill. Oh, wait, the, the one where the guys with the knife guns are standing and the cannons. You want me to go up there? Up there? Up there? Yeah. No. Please do. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I'd say, yeah, watch this. Anybody listening? And then just Google and do some research on mm. some other, um, you know, black films. There, there are a lot of good ones out there. And more and more, they're being told from the perspective yeah. of African-Americans and yeah, it's, it's moving in the right direction. Um, and I think, and I, I hope it keeps going. And I think everybody gets, you know, everybody has the obligation to have these conversations. You know, we obviously record them and put them out there and people listen and whatever. But like, if you do watch something or if you do learn something, like, talk about it. You know, I mean, don't, don't whitewash history. Don't shy away from difficult topics. Like Dave and I have gotten into it, you know, and, and had some heated discussions about stuff. Like we're always all learning. Right. And that's okay. It's okay to have differences of opinion. It's okay to talk shit out. Don't be hateful, of course. But yeah, going back to what we were discussing with the critical race theory, like, I think it's a major mistake to remove it because I don't even think uh, people were actually trying to put that in schools. I think uh, some, some people are just running with that. The talking um, points, I, the, I, the headline. Yeah, pre- yeah. I, I don't know too much about it, but I think it's more of a higher level education theory. Mm-hmm. I think maybe pieces of it were going to be in some of the curriculum, mm-hmm. but not to what 
all these parents are freaking out about. Right. And I mean, like, listen, if something freaks you out and you really are opposed to it, sit with that and think like, why, you know, um, <laughs> I should say that myself too. Like I'm always trying to, to trying to see the other side and yeah. This, that, when you said the other side, I, for, I forgot what I was watching. Um, I don't think it was like John Stewart or somebody, but, um, they put it out there and this teacher got fired, I think for teaching some, um, like this some of these black history uh, pieces and the parents and some other administrators are freaking out because he was teaching um, some of these writings of African-Americans around that time. Mm. Right. And they said, well, why aren't you talking about the other viewpoint? And he said, this is the other viewpoint. Mm -hmm. Their voice is the other Mm -hmm. viewpoint. Mm -hmm. We teach our viewpoint Mm -hmm. every day. Mm Mm-hmm. And that kind of stuck with me. And like we were saying earlier in the podcast, like the history is written by people of privilege, usually white people, usually the victors, you know, mm-hmm. I think, you know, it is interesting and important to look at stuff. History doesn't happen in a vacuum. Even the terrible stuff, like the Nazi stuff, for example, I fucking think Hitler's a piece of shit. And I would never, you know, want to give a shit about what he thought because he was an atrocious man who was a horror, like did horrifying things. But do I read about his early life to try to understand like what, you know, like you can't, none of this shit happens in a vacuum. Um, yeah, like what happened right. for him to, why, to go that direction? Why were people, what planted that seed right, in his why head? Why were people fighting against freeing slaves? Was it because they thought that their economics were going to crash? You know, like you were kind of saying, like, it's important to understand the context as well. So I'm not saying, mm. yeah, I'm not saying we should replace history with these other perspectives because I know that would cause an outrage. But absolutely, it's again, it's equality. We should have an equal representation of the voices, of the experiences, you know, talking about, about it. So we're... You and I are never going to figure this out. You know, we're, we're just we're just two people trying to make it in Hollywood and, and yeah, have a podcast. If, if one person listens to this mm-hmm. and they go and watch this movie and they think about it, become a little bit open mm-hmm. to some of the stuff we're talking about. We did our job. Yeah. So, yeah. And we had the conversation about it and mm-hmm. we got to hang out and we got to watch exactly. the movie. Well, that's the show for now, guys. Make sure you follow us on Instagram and Twitter. No hateful comments, please. You know, all love. <laughs> we will block and delete you if you're nasty. Um, David, I cannot wait for the rest of this year. I know we got some great movies coming up, um, but for now, you should just check your fridge. And make sure that milk ain't spoiled. Because gross milk is gross. Please like and subscribe and tell all your friends about our podcast. We are, you know, doing it because we love connecting with films. So for now, that's it. And we'll see you on the next one. Bye. Peace.